Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is designed to get us into God's Word for at least about 12 minutes each day, and that's a good thing, and thereby keep us focused on our spiritual lives, keep us continually growing in our faith, since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, and help us to stay focused on a relationship with God. Now, it also helps us to have a better mindset to be able to take on the day, whatever the day might throw at us. I want to encourage you. You know people in your life. I can guarantee you, you know people in your life who need to change their lives, who need to change their their mindset, their way of thinking, the direction they're going in their lives. Share these studies with them. Help them to start to focus on their spiritual lives, on their relationship with God. Help them to have a better, more positive, and spiritual mindset as they go through life each day. You may help somebody get to heaven. So you can share through Facebook friends. You can share through text messages, maybe some other technological means that you have access to. But make it a point on purpose. Make up your mind to share these studies with everybody you can, your family members, your friends, your work associates, neighbors, anybody and everybody, literally. Share. We're continuing our study, talking about those two opposite forces of influence trying to guide our lives or pull us in one direction or the other. Now, the first, the first influence is God, and he's absolutely positive, and his influence trying to lead us to follow him through Jesus Christ to heaven, all the way to heaven. That is motivated by his love for us. He created us in his own image, Genesis 1 and verse 26 through 28. And so we have a soul. We're different, unique from everything else that he created. The devil is the other influence, and it's absolutely opposite from God's influence. The devil wants to lead us away from God into sin. And since sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59 and verse 2 As he leads us into sin, he's pulling us away from God. And ultimately, the end of that road is eternal destruction in hell. The devil will be there, Revelation 20 and verse 10, and all of those whose names are not written in the book of life, in other words, the lost, the spiritually lost, will be there, Revelation 20 and verse 15. Now, you might say, well, that's, that's somebody else. That's not me. Most people are going to be saved. Most people are going to be in heaven. That's not what Jesus said. In Matthew, chapter, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he said most people are going down the wrong road. He said most people are going down the broad way toward eternal condemnation, living the road where there are no limits, there are no rules to follow. In other words, the road of worldliness, sinfulness, ungodliness, wickedness. He said most people are going down that road. He said few have entered in or are entering in through the straight gate and walking the narrow way of truth that leads to life, eternal life in heaven. How sad, but that's the reality. So don't be flippant or or just kind of 
you know, knee-jerk reaction saying, hey, I'm, I'm, oh yeah, I'm walking down the narrow path. Are you really? You see, we know what answer we should be giving. Are you walking through God's influence or are you walking your life, living your life through the devil's influence? Now, we know the right answer. It should be God. We're walking by God's influence. But are you really? Search your heart, examine your life, and answer yourself truthfully. Which way are you following? Which influence is the guiding force in your life? Are you living faithfully, obediently, consistently by God's teachings laid out in his word? Or do you even know what those teachings are? Do you read the Bible? Do you attend church services? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, buried with him in those waters of baptism, immersed so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins? Are you consistently living by his gospel message on a regular basis, daily? Or are you going in a different direction, doing what you want to do, taking part in all kinds of worldly activities, sinful activities? Those are the leadings of the devil. Be honest. Now, what is the motive behind God's influence? Trying to lead us to be with him forever in heaven, eternal life, and all the blessings that go therewith? Love. He loves us. What is the motivating force behind the devil's influence trying to lead us away from God? Hatred. Hatred. So, what is it in your life? Are you being guided by God's love or are you following the hatred of the devil who wants to lead you away from God and lead you to eternal destruction? We're talking about perhaps the most profound question by way of self-examination that we could ever ask ourselves. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he sent his son into this world in human form to live the perfect life and die on that cross as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Second, uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. That's how much God loves us. He made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin, not to be sinful, but to bear our sins to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, but in him. And that means we've got to live in Christ. That's talking about faithful, dedicated obedience on a consistent basis. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And then he said, we are his friends he was speaking directly to the apostles there, but he said, you and, but the principle is for us as well. We are his friends if we do what he says. We are his friends if we do whatever he commands us. Are you living by his teachings? Now, learning from God's example, we need to exemplify love in our lives. One way we are supposed to do that, in fact, Jesus commands that we do that, is to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, our true brothers and sisters in Christ. In that same 
context of scripture, the same setting as what he said in, in, in John chapter 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this and to lay down his life for his friends. In that same setting, in that same context, in chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35, Jesus said a new commandment, not a suggestion, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So he's saying, he's telling his apostles immediately there, but of course the principle is to all who would become his true followers, that's to all who would become true Christians today, that we are to love one another as he has loved us, that we are to love one another. Now how did he love us? He died for us. He died for us. We ought to love one another in, prof- in a profound way. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9, as Paul was writing to this congregation that was going through a great deal of tribulation and persecution, he writes to them and he says, But concerning brotherly love, You have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Paul says, we don't really need to write to you about loving your brother and sister in Christ because you're already doing that. You know that. We've taught you that. And you're you're doing it but increase more and more. Keep your focus on that love. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. Abounds toward each other. They didn't just talk a good game of love for their brother and sister in Christ, their love for each other abounded. It was abundant so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. In spite of what they were going through, being persecuted from without, and the tribulations they were experiencing in their lives and as a congregation of the Lord's church, They loved each other, truly. They learned that lesson that Jesus was teaching way back there, John chapter 13, in the night of his betrayal. And God expects us to genuinely love one another. And again, not just in word, but he expects us to love one another in deed, in action, in practice, on a consistent basis. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, we read this. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or obvious. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Are you living a righteous life before God? Nor is he who does not love his brother. Oh, you see how those two are connected? Well, our love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is a commandment again, going back to John 13, verses 34 and 35. This is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
And then in verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, put it into action. Put it into action. Let's stop here for a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Help us to learn from that love, to love you first and foremost, but also to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to love the lost who are all around us, all over the world, out there, who have yet to come to you for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Help us love them enough, Father, to reach out to them with the gospel of Christ, the message of salvation. Guide us in this, Father, to your glory. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.